Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football, of course, with the coach Harvey Hyde, the 4-0 Trojans, now number six in the country, according to this coaches poll and the AP poll, went up on the road, took on the Oregon State Beavers up in Corvallis. Uh, like everyone expected, it was going to be a, a defensive slogfest, 17-14 win for the Trojans. We want to talk to the coach about that, what he liked, what he didn't like, what the problems he saw, and all that. If you have any questions or comments, you can uh, email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got some text messages to get to. We got some voicemails to get to. We got a bunch of emails to get to. So thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions and topics that you would like us to talk about. If you have the Apple Podcasting app and you want to follow us over there at the Parastyle Podcast, leave us a five-star rating. It does help to grow the show. We appreciate that. we got a couple new ratings from Shaw 213 says, all USC football all the time. The Parastyle Podcast is all you can ask for as far as a Trojan, as far as Trojan football goes. Ryan, Chris, Shotgun, Coach, inter, Interim Jack, uh, keep the content current and accurate. Great job, guys, and hashtag fight on. Well, thank you for that. And we also have one from uh, Jim uh, Jim E. Johns, he says, the USC podcast, if you are a USC fan, this is your podcast. Shout out to all the guys for all the great information. Any SC fan that wants to keep up with the program should be listening. Fight on from Nebraska. Oh, that's nice. A Nebraskan USC fan. So thanks so much for the uh, reviews. It really helps to grow the show. we got over a thousand ratings uh, on Apple Podcasts, so that's pretty cool. We are we don't move, you know, move that star rating up a little bit. We're like four point eight out of five. But thank you for all doing that, Coach. They they seem to like the show, which uh, it's a good it's good because we we enjoy doing it. I do enjoy doing it, Ryan, and uh, you know, just expressing our opinions. And our opinion is sometimes agreed upon others, and uh, I give a different opinion than maybe a lot of people do. I look at it as a coach or uh, a guy that's uh, playing a team or play or how I, I would interpret it and uh, how I would feel if I walked in Sunday morning after a game like the Oregon State game with my staff meeting, sit down and talk with them. Uh, I try to pass that on to all of our listeners out there because there's an inside and there's an outside of every football uh, program. And you don't know always what's going on inside the meeting rooms and what's you only have a chance to see what's going on game day. So, uh, you know, I like to try to give that to you. So if you have any questions or anything, just ask him and I'll give you my honest answer. Yeah. And coach definitely does that. So we're going to, we have a lot of questions and we'll probably, you know, touch on some of these topics of the questions first, but I'm going to give you a couple points to start with coach. Uh, we're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. We don't normally do that. Uh, so we'll talk defense first and we can talk some offense and just sort of like the overall win, but you know, certainly a complete, uh, you know, performance by the defense, four turnovers again. Didn't get any sacks in this game, uh, but had a few tackles for loss. I wanted to get what you saw from the coach's point of view of how this defense played. Well, you know, Ryan, I, let me just uh, say this. You know, all along I've I've said it this way, the uh, defense is suspect. Suspect as far as uh, how good they really are. And I think everybody's agreed with me. They've been waiting to be tested and see how they survive and so on. And turnovers has been their savior. I mean, really, when you consider it's almost unbelievable four interceptions in one football game. Otherwise, who knows who might have won that game, not to take the the flavor of the uh, taste of victory off of that. And let me say also, I think the defense plays hard. I think the kids really play hard and give an effort. They really do give an effort. They play hard. But I think it's a situation of a talent level in certain areas where you can play as hard as you want, but there's sometimes you just can't play. You're not quick enough or big enough or fast enough to uh, play a, uh, enough uh, to get it done out there. And there's, there's some great players that play well, and then there's some players 
that really uh, probably wouldn't be starting on a six-ranked team in the country, according to the coaches' poll and AP poll and all this and that. And I think that the defense, uh, myself, got exposed a lot as far as their strengths and weaknesses, as far as personnel, as where you know, as far as what you can do and not do. And uh, I think uh, if I was a coach today, I'd be really concerned about my defense at USC. I think they play hard as hell, but there's a limit of how good you can be. And I think that's uh, something they're real concerned about right now. And I think we talked about this last week. Uh, The majority of the five-star portal transfers went to the offensive side of the football. And the five-star defensive portals really didn't come to the defensive side of the football. So I think there's a, a maybe a lack of uh, great talent on the defensive side of the football. I mean, talent that makes a difference that's going to play in the NFL. And I think there's more on the offensive side of the, the uh, team at USC that's going to play in the NFL. Yet they had struggles too. But they got hit in the mouth, and uh, they didn't line the mat. They got off the mat. They took maybe a nine count, but they got off the mat. And when it came time, sort of a rocky performance, they'd come up with some type of play. And I always said it's better to be lucky than good, get those interceptions and make the difference in the in the football game. And uh, talking about the defensive side, uh, they've always been a suspect, and I think they are still suspect. And uh, I don't think they – I think they're playing hard, but I think they're limited. Interesting, Coach. I mean, I, you know, as far as, like, just looking at the numbers, only giving up 14 points, you know, I, forcing the turnovers. I know there's turnover luck, but it seemed like it was either USC putting pressure on Chance Nolan or, in the, the case of, like, Makai Blackman, like, making a really athletic play where you turn into the receiver and – and pick that ball off or, you know, Eric Gentry getting his hands on things. Um, yeah, I thought you'd be a little higher on the the way the defense played. Because, you know, to me it was, you know, they they put together their, probably their most complete performance overall. And, you know, I know you can't rely on interceptions all the time, but they got stops too. And uh, I, I think the, the one thing is they were put in bad positions by the offense quite a bit. It wasn't like, you know, the, you know, the fourth quarter they get two um, – you know, twice the offense goes three and out after, you know, the USC defense uh, got the ball back. And I felt like they kept getting put in bad spots. And that last touchdown, I mean, that's where Oregon State started at USC's 22. Uh, so, yeah, I thought you'd be a little more, um, I don't know, just like upbeat about the defense for some reason. Well, no, I'm not I'm not down on them. I'm just saying that uh, I just think it's limited. But I told you that I think they may have made plays. They've made plays to compensate. With those interceptions and four interceptions, do you think they'd have won the game if he hadn't thrown those interceptions? Yeah, no, no. They needed those turnovers, yeah. Okay, that's that's what I'm trying to say. So, great plays, great tips. Gentry with his great athletic ability makes that tip for the final interception. Otherwise, who knows what happened at the end of the game there, you know? I mean, you'd have to go overtime or something happened. And, you know, the momentum, yeah, was towards... USC on that long drive, and we're not talking offense, but that was a beautiful drive. Don't get me wrong, and what an effort by Caleb Williams on several plays. But uh, it, uh, it, you know, when you play Utah, and we're going to play Notre Dame's getting better, and uh, you know, you got to look at these teams. Washington State is going to cause you all kinds of problems. That could be a an all day game, or all night game. I don't know, but. Uh, it's 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 you know it's 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 just still suspect. I would say, guys, I don't know what we can do. Just get our players on the field and coach them up and go hard, and that's exactly what they're doing. All right, coach. Well, let's look to the offensive side of the ball, which obviously has been clicking. Uh, you know, they'd scored touchdowns on their first three possessions of all three games heading into this one, and against uh, Oregon State, didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. So completely. It's one of those things where I feel like it's like my golf game sometimes, Coach. I go out there and I'm just like, feel like I'm playing really well. And then all of a sudden, I, I can't even hit the ball anymore. And there's something, you know, it, this looked like a, an offense that was, you know, the the 
cliche of clicking on all cylinders. I mean, they were motoring. They looked in sync. They looked like the tempo was great. The you know they weren't rushed. Man, on Saturday night, coach, they looked like the clock had sped up. They were rushed. They didn't. It was very clunky. Um, nothing was going like per the script. It seemed like and Caleb Williams, you know, being the the trigger puller was. You know, he looked like everything was sped up around him. Like he felt like the pocket was going to collapse every time. And he, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit for the escapes he had uh, really taking away what could have been a, a lot of sacks and keeping drives alive, including that touchdown drive at the end where he got the the little, you know, the little uh, nudge from Brett Nealon that, that he got the first down on fourth and six. But what did you see? I wanted to know from the coach's point of view, have you seen this where an offense just works, works, works? I don't think Oregon State's defense is like miles better than the other defenses USC's played, but the defense looked miles worse. So I, I just kind of want to get your assessment on what was wrong with the offense. Well, I think the defensive plan and the defense was miles ahead of other teams. I think they had the USC defense. I really do. I think they tried to confuse them. They gave them different coverages. They moved around. They had uh, they tried to adjust to things USC and it flustered them. They had delay games in the first half. They used all three of their timeouts early in the game. Williams was asking for the signal uh, quicker so he could get teams that guys lined up. They get, they got hit in the mouth and they weren't used to that. Uh, they weren't used to not going right down the field and scoring and having it their way. They used to they they, they were having that and now they had to battle through that where. You know, it was a close football game, and I saw the pressure building on Caleb's face. You could see it building up the pressure, and that really threw off his rhythm as far as throwing the football. When he threw the football, he really, early in the game, looked like just an ordinary quarterback. I mean, his passes were off. His timing was off. Things went right. I thought they should have possibly run the football more to relax everybody run the football, get a little bit more play action, move him out of the pocket, get him two or three uh, decisions to make, the first receiver, second receiver, run the football, run out of bounds. And if you remember, I said before he was running too much. Well, in this game, if he wasn't running to the outside, he did step out of bounds and he did slide and do the things that were necessary. They would have been in deep trouble. So he made a lot of plays that shouldn't have made any yards. He made plays that made yards. And he did a great job. And I think that the running back, uh, 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 yeah, I thought that he should have been run more. I thought that he's a, he say he 133 yards, that he was having a great day. And I think he should have pounded them a little bit more to calm down, calm down Williams don't put it all on his shoulders and just slow the game down rather than speed the game down. Speed it up. Because when you speed it up and you're still looking at different fronts, and I know you're getting more confused and more things that you have to think about and do, and all the players aren't sure. I mean, everything's going faster. If you're a better football team, you know, my X is bigger than your O, I'm going to beat your butt. I want to settle them down, settle everybody down, execute, and go up and down the field and try to execute. And uh, you mentioned it, three and out and three and out. That isn't what USC is used to. So they were really off sync, I thought. But they never quit. They played hard. And that interception that was made at the end of the game for Oregon State, I thought that was the greatest thing they could have done, had that ball intercepted that far away. Because you might not have punted the ball out of bounds there, but they made some unbelievable second efforts and fourth down plays to make that drive go and won that football game. Yeah. But like I said earlier, it's better sometimes to be lucky than good. And I'll tell you what, they are going to sit down in the staff meetings and go over everything and either try to simplify it or slow it down and calm the guys down. It was a great victory, a great football game. But I wouldn't have wanted to be coaching either sides of that football, but it was a great disappointment on the side of the team that lost because both teams played hard and up their ability, and, and you could see it in Jonathan Smith's face. 
And even, even uh, Lincoln Riley's face, you didn't see him jumping up and down and always excited. He had a lot of thoughts on his mind when he was walking around that field as far as what's in the future. No, I agree with you, Coach. And, you know, one more thing on the offense. I get it. Like, Oregon State did a lot of good things on defense, but I feel like there were self-inflicted wounds, too, where, what, you know, one of the things that you were talking about after just watching the Rice game, you're like, oh, the play got in early. Everyone knew I was on the same page. They knew what they were doing. There wasn't like, hey, you go here, you go there. There wasn't that like rushed, like you're, you know, you're late for dinner and you're trying to get out, you're, you know, you and the kids in the car out the door to make your reservation. Like that's what it looked like, like a fire drill or something. So to me, some of it was self-inflicted. I know the environment was tough, but did you notice that too, where it just seemed like even the stuff that was under USC's control before you even get to the line, you have to like change things up. It seemed like that was off too. Everything was. Everything was thrown off because it wasn't exactly the way they expected it to be as far as what they've used to having, either in practice or in the games they've had so far. And uh, Oregon State came to fight. It was a heavyweight championship fight, and they were ready for it. They wanted it. They looked forward to it. I just wonder what type of performance Oregon State will have against Utah next week because that was their bowl game. That was their bowl game last Saturday night against USC. It's going to take them a while to recover from that loss. It really is, because they came out and gave it all. And when I think about the defense now, when you go back to that first question you asked me, I saw too many tackles being made by the secondary people up on the line of scrimmage and, and certain things like that. I mean, I didn't see any penetration by the defensive uh, lineman, a lot of stops before it got started. Uh, I'll tell you what, those defensive backs and safeties, they're, they're sore today. And they were sore again on Sunday. Was they made a lot of tackles, and uh, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, we got to see what happens. We do. Um, you, you mentioned the getting hit in the mouth part. I wanted to talk about, like, the overall, before we get into questions. Um, they were, yeah, they did get hit in the mouth. Mouth that got got off the mat, like you said, probably a nine count was going on there. You know, Lincoln Riley talked about it. Um, you know, after the game, seemed very proud uh, of these guys, very proud of the team and and how they were able to bounce back. And you can't win every game, you know, fifty to twenty or whatever. Like this was uh, going to be a defensive slugfest, and uh, I think it shows some metal that they were able to do that. Um, but what did you think overall? Just, you know, this was a, this was a game that USC would lose or, you know, any of the Clay Helton teams that you've covered, USC doesn't win this, this game. So I think it shows a little something that they were able to, when things weren't going right, things weren't going your way, you're on the road, tough environment, and you're still able to make the enough plays at the end, uh, to get a win. Yeah, I think it was a character game. Who are we? Uh, are we who we think we are or are we not? And I saw him going to the bench several times, encouraging Caleb Williams on the sideline, talking about that, looking at him eye to eyes. I saw Caleb Williams doing that with the team also. Who are we? It's a character game. And uh, things aren't going to be perfect all the time, but are we going to win? Do we have the confidence? And I'm going to tell you, all along that game and all along when I watched the Oregon-Washington State game, I knew Oregon was going to win that football game. Was I figured that, figured that Washington State is not used to winning the big game, that big a game, and Oregon would find a way, and they did. And USC playing Oregon State, I had a feeling USC would find a way to win that football game. Find a way. Because of character, who they are, and all of that. And he was able to motivate them to make those type of plays, like the interceptions and playing hard for the entire game. So I call it the character character game, a game you want to see your team play all four quarters. Uh, no one let up. Everybody gave their most, maybe too much. And I think one reason Caleb Williams wasn't given to the press after the game, I think he was real flustered. I don't think he was in a position to really talk sensibly about the uh, performance and everything. So coach, rather than put him in that position, said, forget it. You don't need to be uh, interviewed. It's done. It's over with. It wasn't one of the best days in the world. I don't want you drilled on it. Relax. It's over. We did it. 
And uh, yes, it wasn't one of your best games. So let's just, just, just move on. What do you mean by like maybe too much when you talk about everyone was giving up, you know, their most effort? Like, what would you mean by like they could? It might have been too much of that. Too much of what? When you had said like you thought everyone gave it their all, right? Yeah, everyone gave they their did. most. They did. They did. But then they you did. said maybe even too much. Well, I didn't mean maybe by too much uh, as far as the team, but I, I think that uh, they they were pushed to the limit, and they know it. Gotcha. Okay. They know. They know. They pushed to the limit, and uh, they respect Oregon State, and uh, and I know how I felt would feel. I said, "We're lucky to get out of here, baby. Let's get in the locker room and get out of here before they change and make us run another play." <laughs> uh-uh. like, get on that plane. <laughs> yeah, just get out of here as soon as we can, because that was. That was quite a football game to watch. It was a good football game to watch, and if you're a Trojan fan, you got to be. That was a character football game. Character. They had to win. That find a way to win. Find a way to win. Who's going to make that play? That's going to make a difference. Well, Eric Gentry made that play, so I was tipping that ball to allow the interception, and then Caleb Williams on the last drive. Not that I didn't do a great job in his running on the last drive. Made several plays. Unbelievable plays getting out of sacks, unbelievable plays, and making positive yardage and then hitting uh, Addison. And uh, it had to be a perfect throw, and it was a perfect throw. When it counted, he did it, and they won the football game. Yep. Why don't we take a quick break because we have a lot of questions. We can get into some more of the nuances of the, of the game and some of the different topics. So back in a minute to answer your questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Let's, um, why don't we go to, let's go to a voicemail, Coach. Back Here we go. Hey, Ryan and Coach, this is Paul from Cincinnati. Hey, great win. Two things I want to ask about real quick. One is, I, I didn't really love Caleb's uh, body manners um, throughout the game. It looked like he wasn't holding himself accountable for some of his mistakes. Um, and I'm afraid it's going to alienate the teammates over the long haul. Um, secondly, I think that Coach Riley got outcoached a little bit. Um, it looked like the short passes were more open, but he continued to have long drops, longer patterns until the end of the game. Interested in your thoughts, guys. Great game, great show. Fight on. Well, I think uh, it's like a chess game, and I think he was playing a great chess player and the defensive coordinator from Oregon State, let's give him credit. Those guys really did coach well. Jonathan Smith is a great football coach and has a great staff. And he was he was giving them troubles. He was it was tough for him to read them. Uh, he was forced to try to adjust uh, too much at the line of scrimmage and got delayed games. The kids became flustered, and that was his whole game plan on the defensive side of the football. Take him out of rhythm. Don't let them do what they think they can do. Change the timing. Change everything. And they did that by mixing up, playing a little man, playing a lot of zone. They were able to put some rush on the USC without really about blitzing a lot. But they did a lot to the blind side as far as Caleb Williams. If you know, when he gets flushed out of the pocket, he really loves to go to the right, always to the right. So if they're going to send a corner or a blitz, they're going to bring it from his left side, where it's his blind side, and put pressure on him. And they did that. Uh, so uh, uh, I just I, I just think that give credit where credit is due. They did one heck of coaching job, Oregon State, and USC adjusted but didn't play their best game. Now, if you can go against a team that's undefeated, don't play your best game, but get out of there with a win, then that's a character game. You found a way to win, so we all have to agree. That was not USC's best game as far as coaching-wise, playing-wise, game plan. They were confused, but they found a way to win. 
They got some luck going their way. They made some plays. Somewhere someone made a play to get the victory. So I think you have to give them credit, Oregon State. And you have to give USC credit because they found a way to get out of there when it wasn't their best game. And what was the first part of that question, Ryan? No, I think you hit it. I think you got it. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's go to uh, – we've got a – oh, uh, we had a voicemail from Sean from Kentucky. Unfortunately, it was like almost three minutes long. Uh, he thought it was a – you called it a character win. He called it a culture-building win. Um, he said the the defense that he saw Oregon State use, he felt it was the same – kind of defense that Dave Aranda at Baylor used against Oklahoma last year that had success? Well, I, I don't know that, so I can't answer that yeah, question. I didn't really know much about that either, so it's hard to say. Uh, I really don't know, but obviously I'm going to tell you what, people do their homework. And they, they do look around and talk to other coaches around the country and take films and exchange films from years back and see who has really had some great success. And if a guy's doing his homework... Then he did that because you want to look and see the things that worked against Oklahoma and that works against USC as far as putting your game plan together, not putting things, <laughs> taking a game where he scored 60 points and try to figure out what they did. Right. Let's go to Sir Eric of Troy, who sent us a text. He says, Ryan, I just could not figure out what was going on with Caleb Williams. I realize he may have been under more pressure from Oregon State's front seven than they have been in previous three games. However, even when he wasn't, he was skipping balls off the ground in front of receivers and throwing behind them. I personally had a, uh, a fleeting thought of sitting him down for a series. My question, is it possible that he had so much Heisman hype in his head that he's trying too hard to win it on every snap and stressing himself out? Am I the only one who thought uh, he could use a series off to clear his head? What say you, Sir Eric of Troy? Well, I think we said that earlier. I think he was trying too hard because he has everything on his shoulders to make plays. Everything starts with him as a, as a quarterback as far as the play coming in and him and Lincoln Riley communicating to everybody else what should happen, and then he communicates to the team what should happen. And when it doesn't happen, he puts pressure on himself, like thinking he's not doing the right job. And I think he tried a little bit too hard. And like I said, uh, I thought they were running their plays a little bit too quickly where they couldn't settle down get the play, run the play. Uh, like when my ex is bigger than your old, like I said, I should win. I think they got a little bit out of rhythm, out of sync, out of their normal routine as far as their offensive philosophy, and that's what Oregon State forced them to do. And I think that he showed his enthusiasm and his caring by the way he ran the football. And how he knew he had to make certain big plays to get that first down when they needed to do that at times. And he was willing to do that as far as sacrificing his body at times. And not only that, taking that extra step or whatever it had to do to get that first down. And he did that. And that's what kept the, kept the, the team in the game. Without him, I don't know if he had a chance. And sitting him down, if, I don't know if that was the question this guy asked or the before, Absolutely not. You never sit down. You're a star when he's struggling. You fight right through it because you show him you have confidence in him. You don't take away the confidence that we, well, we don't have the confidence in you anymore. That'd be the last thing I'd do. Yeah. No, I agree with the other coach. It wasn't really the time to, to sit him down. Frank in Sacramento sent us an email. He says, I think that Caleb Williams uh, does not play well when it's a night game. Okay, that's an interesting take. My scientific thought is that his uh, um, what, cir cir circadian rhythms may be off with the late start times, or that's all BS and he just tries to do too much. But hey, how about his footwork? He had three different first downs running and was the second leading rusher on the team, Frank and Sacramento. Well, you don't want that to happen, but how many times have I told you that the second running back in a one-back set is a running back. And you notice that there are so many athletic quarterbacks now in this formation that are winning football games. You can just look around the country. You see watch, Washington State, you're going to see this kid. Uh, I think his name is Ward or whatever. Boy, he's a great athlete, too. You're going to see him on the floor of the Coliseum. 
And uh, when you don't run around and you don't have an athletic quarterback, then you're, you're it's a little bit difficult. Then you need two backs, like I've been talking about for the last couple of years. And you know, I I, I think that at times uh, they should use a little bit more two backs than than what they do. But that's just my opinion, and so on, because I think they give him better protection in there, and then the back can go into a route if his guy doesn't come or whatever. And uh, but uh, you know. I even forget what the question was. Right? I don't even know. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love it, Coach. He was talking about like he thinks he doesn't play well at night. There wasn't like he's like, uh, oh no, yeah. I don't think that makes a difference for night or day. But I do think it makes a difference. You think I'm kidding, you guys? I keep talking about this all the time. You hear me talk about it. If you practice at seven in the morning, your body's ready to go to sleep at ten at night or at night at night. It's used to doing its maximum effort at 7 or 8 in the morning. Just check out your routine. Do you have a cup of coffee at 7 or 8 at night? Or do you have it in the morning? Or whatever your regular habits are. I've always said that. I always wanted to practice around the time our games were. Yeah. Dan, class of 1962, emailed in. He says, hey, coach, Oregon State has a very good, well-coached team. And the Trojan victory showed a number of things about how you win college football games. First, more than anything, coaching matters from physical practices, mid-game adjustments, obviously recruiting good players for your system, and continuous motivation, especially by the head coach. Lincoln Riley does all of these things, just like Jones, McKay, Robinson, and Carroll did to win national championships. I've been more impressed with the development of the much maligned in prior years' offensive line. I don't know anything about the offensive line coach, but I know that he and Riley – know how to coach uh the kneel and nudge was the highlight of the game for me because it showed that the offensive line will do anything to win as long as they are coached up which they were and i have no doubt that the whole team especially caleb and the offensive team will learn from this game fight on and win it's an action now not just a saying dan class of 1962 well i tell you i, I agree with you i think that, that he's an outstanding coach a great coach it'll uh be a great coach at USC for a long period of time. And uh, I think that those type of efforts we just talked about, like the kneeling up push and so on, are going to be remembered because just like the, the Reggie Bush push. Uh, it's the same type of play. The uh, only thing I was worried about when they all came and pushed, I wanted to see Caleb get up. Because, you know, these <laughs> I've been on the bottom of those piles, piles before. There's your prize guy at the bottom with everybody pushing him forward. But he made it. He got up. He's competitive, and that's one thing you got to remember. He's a competitor. It, it, it flusters him when he doesn't do well. So he's got to calm him down, and it'll fluster the whole team. When your quarterback is flustered, the whole team gets flustered. Okay. So if you've noticed in the first games or whenever you watch him play, he, he nothing bothers him. But he was bothered the other night. He was bothered because it wasn't a normal routine. It wasn't his night and when he pushed himself more it made it worse and I think that at times he would have rather run like he did than throw the ball but he knew he wasn't on he wasn't on he was throwing short he was throwing high he wasn't on so he did the best decisions that he could have done at that time but I'm still really impressed with the way they drove down that field at the last part of the game and he hit that beautiful seam route. I think it was like a cover two going on there. It was beautiful. All right, Coach. Um, we got a voicemail. Let me play this one for you. Curtis from Moreno Valley. I'm proud of the team and super proud of the defense. Uh, this one is for the coach and shotgun. You too, Ryan. You watch a lot of the uh, tape of the game. Uh the defensive backs, when they're in man coverage and when uh, their receiver turns and looks for the ball, sometimes they won't turn their head around. I've seen the balls hit them in the shoulder. If they would have just turned around, it could have made a play on the ball. I used to drill my cornerbacks when I uh, coached Pop Warner for that. you got to turn around. If the receiver's looking for the ball, it's usually coming. Uh, it's gonna drive you guys crazy now that you, that I've told you about it because it happens in the pros too. For some reason, a defensive back 
is scared to turn around when the ball's in the air, even though the receiver's looking for the ball. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Yeah, Curtis, that's a good coaching point. I agree with you. Uh, normally, a receiver will give you the uh, indication that when the ball's getting there, but you'll see him turn his head and his arms will go up, and then at that time you've got to assume that that's what's coming, the ball, and you've got to be able to, up there in a position where you can tap the ball or intercept the ball or knock the ball down, uh, but you've got to be careful not to you know, run into him and have pass interference. It's very difficult, as a football player knows, if you play defensive back and play a lot of man. It's very difficult today. They're very ticky-tacky on how you touch somebody. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous, and sometimes uh, you hold just a little bit, and it's amazing they'll catch that time. And sometimes you can get away with a couple of good holds, like I saw that uh, a couple of guys got away with at USC uh, on a couple of plays that weren't called. Well, that's part of the game. You don't call every play. You let the players decide the football game. And I think what happened in that game, and it happens in great football games, the officials more or less said, well, let's let them win the football game or lose the football game. Let's don't take it away from the kids. Because the officials are involved in that game, too, and they know how great that football game is. So they're not going to go ticky-tacky. And I think on that push play, that could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. You could have justified either way on that play. It just happened to go the Trojans' way on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why I said they'd rather be lucky than than good in those type of situations. It's just where that guy decided to spot the football. Yeah. we got a couple more, and we'll let you go, Coach. Uh, Jack in New Jersey says, Corvallis was often a thorn in Pete Carroll's side. Why should things under Coach Riley be any different? USC comes out with the W and that's all that matters. Great teams find a way to win. This is not Helton's USC. This is what we've been waiting for. A competitive team. Riley has made Saturdays fun again, by the way, I hate the PAC 12 network and 10 30 Eastern time games fight on Jack in New Jersey. Well, I have to agree. I hate him too. It's seven 30 at night. I really do. You have to wait all day. And by the time the football game gets there, if you've been watching a lot of football, you're almost burned out. As far as watching so much football, yeah. And again, here they are playing another game. What is it this week again? Another one, and then the yeah. So Arizona State is seven thirty p.m. and then yeah, and so that's a a night one. But then they just announced uh, on Monday today that we're recording this. Washington State will be a four thirty p.m. game, and that will be on Fox. Right. So you know they really haven't had a great time for a football game. I feel sorry for the season ticket holders, because, uh, you know, it's a late evening for you guys, and uh, you have a long time to tailgate, but it's a late evening uh, getting home at that time, and uh, and for the media, Ryan, just like you say, when you have these late games, you don't get out of the press box till 1, 2, 3 in the morning and get home, and uh, the deadlines are, are really late, and also the East Coast doesn't have the opportunity of really, there's not that many people staying up and watching college football at 2 in the morning, 1 or 2 in the morning. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, the Pac-12 network, well, I hope that's gone here pretty soon and they get affiliated with a big-time uh, network and, and uh, they get their dues. But right now it hasn't been great as far as television for the Pac-12 this year. I think it's been maybe the worst year as far not only for USC but all the teams playing at weird times. Yeah. Uh, we had an email, and I'm sorry, I don't see the name on here, but it was Coach Hyde. What does advanced scouting look like at the collegiate level? Is it used during the regular season, and how many people are typically assigned to this? And he said, as Al Davis used to say, just win, baby. Well, yeah, just winning. Scouting is big. Uh, in fact, uh, you have staff members, graduate assistants, well, I don't know what they call them today. They have enough staff members, 26 coaches or whatever it is on their staff to break down everything before with the computers the way they are now. You have everything broken down for your coaches. You go in there on Sunday morning, you have a breakdown of all the films of just your plays uh, that your players uh, played. You do it all, and then you go back, and you have everything that the team has played and everything that the team played last year. In fact, when I was working with George Allen, we we went back when a kid was in high school. I mean, he got a little bit over-carried away. 
We had a bye week where he wanted me to look up and see if there was any tendencies this kid had there in his stance that would give away what he's doing now. So there's a lot of, a lot of, of scouting done and breaking down. And I used to feel that I would get more from me breaking it down as a position coach or a head football coach than someone else breaking it down for me. Because I would just get the finished product of, here, coach, it was this on this hash mark, this and that. But I didn't have to put the material together where it started to register in my head of what was I facing and what's going on and this and that. But today it's a computer done, driven. You have your practices before you get off the practice field. You have all your tapes done before you, you go back after your shower. You go into the coach's office and your entire practice is there waiting for you. Broken down completely. So it's a whole different thing. Like I said, you fly back from from uh, Oregon State, you're already watching at the game, watching the game on the plane, coming home, and breaking those films down, or taking a look at your next game, watching the State's game that they played against Oregon. It's absolutely amazing the type of uh, audiovisual equipment they have today, and the computer-wise. And even the team. The team has the same access to all of this, too, uh, by the computers that the team has that they can do from home. So it's just amazing. But, yes, you break down everything. You should know everything about a football team. And, in fact, even, uh, we, you know, you break down as much as when the quarterback looks to the left once or twice and to the right only once. You wonder why he's giving the second look to one side and not the second look to the other. There's so many different things that you break down as far as when you scout a football team. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one last thing. Um, what this is for a text message from Allen Orange County. He says, "Hey, Peristal, I've been watching Coach Riley's presser on the uh, on YouTube, and I've noticed a lot of people saying, quote, hey, Lincoln versus hey, Coach, Coach Riley when addressing him. Am I the only one that thinks it's disrespectful? The soundbite of the reporter getting stood up uh, when addressing Coach Sanders as, quote, Dion lives rent free in my head. Allen Orange County. Just real quick from the media side, um, Lincoln Riley is not my coach. Uh, it's not being disrespectful when we call him by his name. Um, that's just something that you do. If it would sound very like much like a fan if I was saying, "Hey, coach, you know, Coach Riley." Uh, it's it's just a different, just kind of the protocol. You know, I've talked to people that have been in the media for a long time about this because this has come up before, and that's sort of what's. Uh, understood what sort of the the way it goes. It's never. It's not a sign of being disrespect, res, disrespectful in any way. Uh, that's just from the media point of view. Coach, you as a former coach, you might have a different thought about this. But what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I do, uh, Ryan. Uh, when I talked to Coach Larry, I talked to Norm Chow last night when he called me. He says, "Coach, how you doing?" He calls me coach. I call him coach. I think you call, uh, you give a little respect. You know, I've always felt that way. Even when you called, everybody called, hey, Clay, hey, Clay. Or, hey, you didn't say, hey, John McKay, hey, John. You said, hey, John, I don't know what might have happened, okay? Uh, things have changed in uh, the world. And I think it's a lack of, I don't want to say respect on all levels, but uh, the same with the school teachers' respect, as far as policemen respect, as far as a lot of the respect out there that normally is given an individual isn't there now. And I think that it's good to say, Coach Riley, what do you think about this? Or Coach so-and-so, what do you think about this? I mean, what? he isn't your friend to call him Lincoln. Or this is my feeling, okay? Or Yeah, I know, I got it, like... It's yeah, or maybe when a guy even calls me, hey, Harvey. And uh, one of my ex-players, uh, I look at him like, say, what the hell are you calling Harvey? I mean, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, but uh, why are all of you sudden uh, calling me Harvey, not coach? Uh, because you call Mr. President, or you're so senator so-and-so, or mayor so-and-so, or governor so-and-so. Hey, uh, I have more respect when I talk coach to coach, it's, uh, hey, coach, congratulations on your win, like when I text him. Or, great win, or good luck tonight, coach. It's just a matter of respect. I don't say, 
Hey, Lincoln, good luck tonight. I just don't think that's the respect that should be given. It's an example of respect, and this is where the players follow suit. Uh, I don't think players should call him, hey, Lincoln. Players should call him coach or their position coach. Coach or, or it's a matter of respect. Uh, well, whoever you're talking to. So uh, I went through that once before with you and you know, when we back in the Clay Helton eras and so on. And uh, I think that that just with me, I think on all levels, whether it's in the classroom or whatever you're doing, that you should show respect to your elders. You should say, Mr. So-and-so, if you don't know him, People still call me, hey, Mr. Hyde, and I, sometimes I finally say, no, 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 it's no more Mr. Hyde with you, it's Harvey, okay? And uh, and I think that should be the person to tell you that, no, you don't have to call me that. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I I know I wouldn't call him Lincoln. If I walked up to him and say, Coach, what's happening? I wouldn't say, hey, Lincoln, what's happening? He'd say, Lincoln Who? I mean, that's just me, okay? That's just me. I'm a different generation, okay? I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm a different generation. I'm one that would like to show respect to everybody. And I I get it, Coach, and I think, um, you know, a couple of differences and just, you know, obviously different opinions or whatever, but it's fine. Like, if I was addressing the governor, I would probably say governor because he's my governor. Like, Lincoln Riley's not my coach. To me, it would almost be disrespectful to be like, hey, Coach, like, I'm somehow involved. Like, I'm – you – as a former coach calling a coach coach, that makes a lot of sense to me because you guys have done it. You've been in the trenches, you know, if maybe if I was a former coach or even like a former college football player, it would be a little easier to do that. Like if I had played football at USC, I think, you know, Sean Cody calls him coach, you know, like, Hey coach, you know, coach Riley, like that would make more sense to me. To me, it almost looks like it's a sign of disrespect for me, like putting myself into that fraternity by calling him coach where He's not my coach, and I've not been in that world. If that if that makes sense, do you know what I mean? That, that makes sense to me. I understand your reasoning. Yeah. I do. I do understand it. You know, but um, I'm just saying my my feeling. You know. Yeah, and I you know I didn't go. I I'm a journalist now. I went to engineering school. I was an engineer. So when kind of journalistic, I don't want to say there there would be different journalistic. Um, there could be morality things or whatever, like you know, just procedural things. Uh, in journalism. So I try to talk to, I'm lucky enough to know a lot of experienced uh, journalists that have worked in the field for a long time and work in college football. And that's just kind of the opinion that they uh, had given to me. But um, yeah, the Dion thing was funny. Um, That was, that was definitely interesting. Um, But yeah, from what I've talked to any journalists I've talked to, they were like, yeah, they didn't agree with what Dion was doing. So, but doesn't mean it's right. I'm just saying that's where we got it from. But all right now, can I just give oh, an example? Of course. That yeah. I really, yeah, you always call me coach. I do, yes. You always do. I have never heard you call me Harvey, okay? Right. And if you did, I'd say, in my mind, <laughs> I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> but uh, Ryan, who the hell are you calling Harvey? I mean, not for disrespect to you. I'm just using this as an example. Sure. And I think that that's just, I respect, I respect you for that, okay? Because you're as old as I am. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Close. But, <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. You'll call me coach, and I love that, and I appreciate you, okay? And I think as as being a partner and we're working together, I think that, like, if so, so say Lincoln Riley started to do a, I don't know, like a Sunday morning talk show, and they, they'd asked me to be the co-host with him. I think I'm calling him coach at that point because, like, we're working on the show together. I know, that's just the, in my head, but... Right, um, I agree. I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I agree. If you watch these national broadcasts, when the coach is doing it, you hear the uh, moderator, whoever they call the guy's coach. They yeah. do. They do. But All of them do. But thanks for the question. It's good. I mean, I know we've brought this up before, and it's great. And I know, you know, obviously, Coach Hyde has a different uh, viewpoint. But I just giving you from what I, you know, the people I've talked to, I'll, I'll reach out again and see if. Because things change too. Sometimes you're like, "Oh, we would never do that before," and now you can do that. You know, there's there's certain things. You know that it, it just you know it, everything evolves. So that might evolve one way or the other. But uh, I'd be interested to find out what they call him in Oklahoma when the press interviewed him. 
Yeah. If they call him Lincoln or they call him coach at the press conference. And, you know, in our, so the industry that we're in, um, like if I was, you know, working for the LA Times, like there's going to be, you know, it's a different deal than, you know, I run uscfootball.com, but a lot of people think, hey, you're a big USC football fan. I'm like, well, I also have to be in the media. We talk to recruits. If I act like a fan, um, then you, USC could actually get in trouble because we're not supposed to be a booster, like promoting the team or trying to get recruits to go to USC. The people are like, why aren't you wearing USC gear? It's like, cause I'm in the media. Like there's, there's certain, you have to follow protocols when you're in that. And my site is dedicated to covering USC football. Uh, but right. it doesn't mean it has to be a, we're like cheering in the press box when USC gets a first down. Like that's not allowed. You don't do that kind of stuff. I'm not wearing USC gear when you go to the press box. Like that's, there's just certain kind of protocols that you follow, but there are some sites like mine that are more, I guess, quote unquote, fanny. Like they're like, they'll kind of reluctantly do the things you're supposed to do to be in the media, but they're really, you know, it's, it's just more of a fan thing. And a lot of times I feel like those are the people that are saying like coach Smith or whatever it is. Um, so it's kind of like I get I, I don't want to like cross that line. I want to, you know, because I didn't learn, I didn't go to journalism school. So I everything I've kind of learned from people that are in journalism, uh, I'm trying to be on the right side of the the road. You know, I want to not break the rules and and those kind of things. But yeah, I don't know. Just there's a lot of inside baseball here. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, 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 Ryan. Let me tell you something. If anybody listened to our show or even our podcast, hey, we're we're just telling you the way it is. I mean, we're not, I say as many negative things as positive things or, you know, positive, whatever way. It just, uh, it's a media type of breakdown of, I'm, we're not cheering for anybody. We're just answering questions. Yeah, hundred percent. And, uh, it's, I think when people are like, Hey, you're too negative or you're too positive. They're saying both. You're probably in a good spot. You know, um, I've, I mean, I've got yelled at from people at USC many times about my takes and, I'm too negative and you know, you're the reason why the fans don't like this coach or whatever. I'm like, I'm not the reason why I'm sorry to tell you, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. All right. Well, we are a little tangent here at the end, but coach, it's always great uh, talking to you. I love the way you put it, that this is a character game. That's going to be the the headline for this, uh, for this episode. So uh, it's always great getting your thoughts on things. And uh, thanks again for coming on. And again, I want to thank you. And this coming Sunday, I'll be on again at AM 830. That's the station, AM 830 at 10 o'clock for two hours with Chuck Hayes. Please join me, man. Uh, I'd love to talk with Noel. I don't take calls, but I'm going to have on Anthony Davis representing USC and John Shaw representing UCLA. So that'll be fun. That'll be great. All right. Well, make sure you check it out over there. And any of Coach Hyde's content you can find over at uh, HarveyHyde.com. So check that out. And uh, for the coach, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 